laundry cycle. We're pausing the podcast for a laundry cycle. Let the record show. This is the Drop Podcast. We talk golfing in the Garden State. I'm Mike Poro, and this is Ryan Kulat. What's up, guys? Really appreciate, again, a good week of um, likes, comments, a lot of positive feedback. Continue throwing that at us. Um, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter, on YouTube at the Drop Golf Podcast, and same thing on Spotify, the Drop Golf Podcast. This episode is being presented by the Law Office of Mallon and Tranger, Attorneys at Law. So our first sponsor. Really appreciate that, guys. As we said last week, if anyone else is interested in um, getting involved somehow, we, we threw out another uh, Mike Verse this week. We had a um, weekly work. We got more stuff coming out. If you, if anyone is interested in getting involved, certainly let us know. Uh, DM us, email us, however you need to. Um, if you are interested, certainly, certainly reach out to us. Yeah, no doubt. We we appreciate that. I mean, this this past week, it, it's been unbelievable. Um, Instagram has, has really blown up nearly 200 followers just there alone. Already over 50 subscribers on YouTube in, in less than two weeks. We, you know, obviously we can't thank you guys enough. And then when it comes to the, the analytics and the results on, on Spotify as well, um, people are listening and, and we appreciate that. We weren't sure how this was going to go. But clearly it's going in a very positive way, and, and that's all kudos to you guys. So, you know, we appreciate it. We'll keep it going. We'll keep grinding. Uh, just a couple of housekeeping items. Uh, we've gotten a couple updates. Uh, we're not going to spend a ton of time on this uh, on this pod talking about these because um, we got something really special for you guys. But uh, we're thinking uh, we've gotten a couple updates on the number of golf courses in New Jersey. We're thinking the total. I misspoke. Reading is really tough. Uh, I think there's 287 total golf courses in New Jersey. Um, as Mike was in touch with someone who's um, kind of on a similar um, trajectory or, or what he's been trying to do, he's been trying to play every public course in New Jersey uh, over the last couple of years. And he's, he's been blogging about it. He's, I guess he started as a blog, but um, Mike, why don't you, you tell us a little bit about that, you know, kind of those updates from this week. Yeah, just, I mean, just like anything. Um, when you dive into the social media world, you start to meet different people. You, you learn different things. And this guy I came across is, is on a similar journey that, that we are. Um, his is a little different in terms of how he's going about it. He's blogging it. He's tweeting about it. You know, and we're here to talk about it. So one of the things I did when we were communicating is, is finding ways that we can reach out and we can collaborate and we can talk to him. So what he had informed me was that there's 174 public slash semi-private golf courses in the state of New Jersey. And he's on a mission since I believe either 2015 or 2016 to play all of them. And on his blog, he, he journeys his, his way and he, he kind of writes about his way. And he's got three left on his journey to complete this 174. And I know that from when I was speaking to him last night, he was playing another one today, which is obviously Sunday when we're recording this. So he was getting out there. So we would leave him two left. And, and, you know, we were kind of picking his brain, so we're hoping to get him on as a guest on our podcast when he completes either all of them or some in the area. So, you know, that's just more information that we're finding out, and that's the things that we like about this is no matter what, even if we're not right, someone's there to, to correct us because, like we've been saying from the beginning, this is not going to be a polished product. You know, there will be speed bumps throughout the way, and we'll improve as we go. And this is just another thing. Um, he, he's got his resources in terms of national, his, his term as to where he found it all, um, was someone at the national golf foundation validated his list and he's 99% certain on that number. And I, I trust him. So, you know, I think that's where we're at in terms of going on our little journey as well. So, you know, it's good info. And if anybody else is out there to correct that, listen. Let's hear it because I'm sure he'd like to make sure he can check all his boxes and play in all of them as well. Yeah. And, and I think that that's for me, Mike, when you were saying that, that's the craziest part for me was that, that we have enough people listening to this and not like, not like my brother, your brother, like our parents, like, like actual people are listening to this and, and like 
feeding back information is is crazy to me that that it's already again with with this being the third episode is is wild so um so keep those those kind of constructive things coming in no doubt uh no doubt that's helpful but for sure that was that was uh certainly awesome the other um greenskeeping bit that uh you know came out of this week was golf course rankings a lot of feedback on that I'd, I'd like to point out at least, at least Mike, I'm going to, I looked at that as, Hey, I came up with these categories and we hashed out some of those categories. I didn't think we were done. That wasn't like our finished product. In my opinion, I thought we were going to come back to it. Kind of, kind of think about it uh, again. And maybe without even realizing, let our listeners uh, comment on it. And we got a a ton of comments on um, everything from, Ryan's a dumbass for having the golf cart be uh, a thing um, to to constructive stuff with like people sending in pictures of like, hey, I hashed this out with kind of your thing. Maybe this is going to work a little bit better. We got to 100 points. So uh, we got a, a, a bunch of different stuff there um, that, again, we're not going to get into this week, but we certainly will in the next uh, in the next couple. But again, that was like if. That wasn't the end all be all. I didn't think after the last podcast. So that's kind of a little bit of a little bit of uh, recap from last week, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I I would agree with that. I, I don't think it was a hundred percent done. And did we ramble on about some topics? Maybe so. But when you're hashing things out in a live format fashion, like we were, you get kind of going a little bit. And, and I think we are on the right path. Um, it's nice to hear that the listeners are listening to the whole thing and, and they want, you know, some feedback as well. And, and they want to put their two cents in because we, we like that good, bad, or indifferent. I, I think that's how you make it the best, you know, because clearly one way is not always the best way. So all the feedback in my eyes, I liked it, even if I didn't agree with it all, because it made me think differently a little bit. So it was good. And, and yes, like Ryan's saying, it is not done. It's still a work in progress. But I think in the next episodes or, you know, one, two, whatever it takes us, um, you'll see where we're at and what we've come up with. And I definitely want to, like, at some point we'll post like, a, hey, this is our final, like what we came up with. We'll post a picture, you know, we'll throw it up on our Instagram and our Twitter. Uh, both of those are at the drop underscore pod. Um, and and some point, uh, you know, a final picture will be up there. So. So for uh, the rest of the episode, you guys are going to listen to something that we're super excited for. We had the opportunity to talk to Corey Brigham, graduate of Rumson Fairhaven High School, Hall of Fame at Rumson. Um, he won a number of tournaments in high school, played professional golf, um, 2022 NJSGA public links champion, um, and, and an overall great dude. Uh, it was an awesome interview. Um, we went for about an hour and it was, it was incredible. Um, and, and we're going to send that, uh, that to the interview. Yeah. So, I mean, just to, to kind of wrap that up about Corey, when we reached out and I said, would you love to be our first interview on, on the podcast? He was all about it. And I think when you're talking about public golf in the state of New Jersey, who better to have on there than this year's reigning you know, 2022 NJSGA public links champion that not only did he, you know, go out in that final round and fire a smooth six under 66, but you'll hear in the interview, he thought it could be even lower. So we're, we're excited to have him on. And, you know, I, I think the stories that he shares and the, and the, any tidbit that you can grab from him is, is a, is a good thing. Yeah. I mean, his, his wealth of knowledge is, is endless. Uh, he's a guy who's who's born into the game and just been doing it forever. And we're going to get into it in the episode, but it, it's an incredible interview. Hope you like it. Enjoy. I think you're a perfect person to start as our first guest. <laughs> All right. I do. So <laughs> I can live up to the billing. No, nah, no doubt, dude. No doubt. I mean, I, I and I say that because a lot, obviously, you know, growing up in the short conference and playing a lot of golf in the area, um, your name always rang a bell. And then obviously, you know, the goal here, as, as Ryan and I will talk about, is, is golfing in the Garden State. And, and I think there's a little, there's an, a, there's an area for us and some space to occupy when it comes to not only 
playing golf and talking golf, but really experiencing this whole state. And, and I think having someone like you that legit just won the New Jersey State Public Links, we couldn't ask for a better person to start this whole thing. You know, Sweet. Because, you know that, that's the idea is let, let's reach as many golfers and as many people as we can and play all the different spots. And when you occupy, in our eyes, that, that title, why not start with you? So I appreciate you um, stepping on and coming on here. And Sure. Sure. Well, I mean, I'm happy to be here. I mean, it's cool what you guys are doing. I'm a big fan of Jersey golf, so I uh, spent my whole life here. It's kind of like a hidden, a lot of hidden gems out there, as you probably know, that most people are not even aware of. No doubt there. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Cora, I'm, I'm, I'm going to jump on Mike there and, and just say the same thing. Like, thank you for coming on. You know, I know he said the same for both of us. I know I don't, I don't know you. Uh, the one thing I do know about you, I don't really like about you, but, uh, anything else that, uh, uh I'm a, I'm an RBR guy. So, um. okay. All right. Hey man, listen, well, I don't know if the rivalry is still the same as it used to be, but you know, the battle of Ridge road was a real thing back in the day. For sure. Um, it still is. Yeah. Is it? Is it still? It's okay. Still, cool. Yeah, it's still. It's still brutal. Um, okay. I graduated '04 from there, so I, uh, I've been coaching there since '07. Um, so yeah, that that rivalry is still very real. Cool, man. Um, so I, I don't know. I got a fun fact. I don't know how much you knew about our basketball team when I was in high school, but we're we're decent for our age. I mean, we're not. Shempy's team and all that fun stuff he's got going on. We were just a bunch of misfits that kind of grew up together and, you know, we gelled. I mean, I feel like that's how it was back in the day, but yeah. um, we actually beat RBR in a senior year in your Christmas tournament in the finals. And uh, it was the only loss you guys took until the semifinals of the tournament of champions. So, wow. um, what year was we that? had a, that was 1998. So I was, right before you and then we had a pretty strategic uh, game plan i remember our coach said our goal was to hold the ball as long as possible because he had three d1 players so um we we couldn't really let you score um and that was our goal and i think we held well i don't want to tap myself in the back here but i will i held your leading score to 17 points for the game <laughs> no that that team was so i grew up like i have fond memories of watching that team uh, they were loaded. That's like sure. Burrow, That's like Taj Holden's year. Yep. Yep. Um, they were, they were that, good. That group was studs. All right. So listen, um, you know, listen. Like I said from the top, I appreciate you coming on, and and I can't lie. You know, being the golf nerd that I am, I, I did type up some things ab about you. Um, and, All right. <laughs> and if I'm wrong, if I'm wrong, I want you to correct me. Um, okay. and it's funny you brought up the basketball thing. Cause I've made a little like side note of interesting facts too. So obviously, you know, you know, Corey Brigham went to Rumson Fairhaven high school, New Jersey state champion in, in golf. You also if correct if I'm wrong, won the Monmouth County tournament, the short conference tournament, and you're a two time group two champion. That's correct. Um, I did do all that. Um, my, my actually proudest moment there is I did it all in one year. Um, and I'm the only, I'm, and to my knowledge, I'm the only guy that's ever done that. So it's like a, I guess it's a record that can't be beat, only can be tied until they have another tournament. Right. Um, I know our other beloved, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that was, that's pretty cool. I kind of hang on to I'm like Al Bundy, you know, like I kind of, <laughs> you guys remember him <laughs> hanging on to my high school glory days, but, uh, yes, I did. I, I, that, that is correct. And then, then you went on to Baylor. Correct. We're there for a year, went over to Maryland, where mm -hmm. you did win one college tournament. Two. I two. won two. two there. there we go. See? That's why that's why I need that corrected. I got and then and then did we go pro after that? Uh I did. I, I so it, the big kind of struggle was like when to do it. Um so I I waited until uh the end of that summer of my base it would have would have been my senior year of playing golf. Um, I waited till the end of the summer, um, tried to get into a couple of things that I fortunately did. Like I really wanted to play in USAM. I was fortunate. I qualified for USAM. Um, I really wanted to win the state. Am I felt like that was important for me. I ended up doing that that summer, you know, in 22. So, or sorry, Oh two. Um, so I, when I did all that, I, I then decided at that point, like, you know, I, I kind of accomplished my goals there that I was looking to do and, and time to move on or at least give it a, give it a go. So, so am I understanding then you, you did that going into your senior year at Maryland? 
and then football, uh, like like left college early or after like you graduated well, in May. Well, I lost a that. bunch. I lost a bunch of credits when I when I transferred from Maryland to to or from Baylor to Maryland. Okay, I'm familiar so, with transferring in credits. Uh, yeah, you know, so I, unfortunately, um, they made me take a bunch of classes over that I already took that were just not the way they wanted it done. But um, so my fifth year, which would have been just a fifth year. Um, I kind of decided probably was not in my best interest to just hang out at school. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was like, all right, let's see how the summer goes. Um, I'd make my decision if I'd go back or not. And um, I had a good summer. I, you know, like I said, I did the things I was, I was set out to do. So I, I didn't go back. I, I, I ultimately ended up going back and graduating four years later after my first four years trying to play professional golf. So that was a, you know, shocked the system but uh it, it was it was pretty cool it's what was that like experience it. like trying to once because obviously you win the state am and i and i think to some respect you know that's just even nowadays that's a super super competitive tournament with with the sure. kids being as good as they are i mean once you win that does it start to say like i i can do it at the next level and then once you get to that next level is it like wow they're all just like me um so yes and no. Uh, so like when I, when I I really wanted to win the state am it was like an ultimate goal of mine. And every year prior to that, it seemed like something was happening in that tournament that like you know it would cause me to lose by a shot, you know, or, or two shots. Like one year I hit the wrong ball in the third round with my buddy, or fourth round, whatever it was, I ended up losing by two shots, and I take a two shot penalty. So you know I had weird things like that happen. Um, for me, it wasn't like, oh, if I won the state and then I was good enough to go pro. It was just like, oh, I had a goal set out there that I wanted to accomplish. I kind of knew where my game was um, from college, you know, like playing against these guys that, that you know, you or I or whoever may never heard of until I actually played with them. Um, but but a- after I had done that, at that point, I was like, okay, I did what I wanted to do. Now it was like, all right, let me challenge myself further and see if I could, you know, accomplish another goal which was ultimately to make it on the PGA tour. I think that's why, you know, if you're not, that's not your goal to do it, then you should be doing it. But um, yeah, that, that, that's just a wild experience in and of itself. I mean, but no, it was, I didn't say, Hey, I'm, I've won the state am now I'm, I'm good. I, I don't, I will tell you this winning a state am puts you nowhere in the class of a professional golfer. I mean, unless you've done it 15 times or, you know, you're Jeff Thomas who did it nine times and, you know, that guy is not just an amateur anymore. He's he's a professional in his craft. So I will say that about it. <laughs> <laughs> so that was definitely a step up going. Like, how big was that step? Like, going from junior golf to high school, high school to, like, obviously Baylor, Maryland, those are huge programs. I'm sure each of those steps were, like, had their own um, differences. Like, we were talking basketball, like going from freshman to JV, JV to varsity. Sure. That step from – amateur status to pro status was that the biggest jump from one to the other was that like how would you put that in to no i think so like my, my biggest jump for me was um the little bubble of monmouth county or the short conference or whatever you want to call it that you know you you could excel in and your your talent pool wasn't as deep uh it was going to merrill i mean sorry going to baylor my freshman year which was mind-blowing to me because i was I all of a sudden was on a team with seven guys that hit it 300 yards that shoot 68, 69, 65. I mean, Jimmy Walker was our number one player. So it's like, you know, this guy's, this guy's won a major. I'm just this guy that, you know, was really good in New Jersey. And yes, I challenged my game throughout the summer as in my junior golf and went out and played national tournaments, but I mean, there's so many good golfers out there that you've never heard of and so many people that can, I mean, I don't know, we allowed to curse on this thing. <laughs> well, well, we'll beat your ass if you're not, you know, if you're not paying attention, right? So um, it, it, that was the biggest jump for me. When I when I got comfortable there, as that's when I knew I could play anywhere because those guys were, I mean, I mean, look at college kids now. I mean, we got a kid next door, Chris Goddard up. I mean, look what he's done. And um, he's got... Yeah, he's got filthy talent. I mean, I've, I've been fortunate enough to play with him quite a bit. and uh, I never played against – I mean, I guess Jimmy would probably be the one guy I played against in college that was that talented. But these kids now, I, I, you know, watching him his senior year at Oklahoma 
um, and then watching those guys in the final round of the, uh, you know, the NCAA championship, and we're all rooting for them and wanting them to win. And these guys stand up on 18 and they hit it 330 down the middle of the fairway. You're just like, damn, you know, like I hit a 280 and was like, oh, I, I'm pretty long. <laughs> right, I Not piped anymore. that one and I have 50 yards to go is a, is a big difference. Uh, yeah. For sure. that, and it, it's funny. Huge, huge. And so obviously now, obviously being, being, you know, you know, always looking at things and checking things. Did we get hurt or did you stop playing for a little bit competitively that, after a certain time that, you know, like, I don't know, in terms of like playing in state events and things like that, because obviously now I see your name popping up way more than, than normal. Kind of. Did you get yeah, hurt? Yeah, yeah, kind of. So, um, so I, you know, I've been a professional golfer my long time now, you know, and I just kind of had that status a few years ago. You know, I got some good friends that are, are good amateur golfers and, you know, they have fun and um, the the one sucky part I'll say about New Jersey golf is that if you're just a professional and you're not a golf professional, or you're not working at a facility, there's really nothing to play in. So, I mean, you get the Met open, you get the U S open, but you have to be affiliated with a club. It's the rule. Um, and they've never wavered from it. Trust me. I've asked them many times, but, um, they won't let you play. So, uh, I had a kid a few years ago, so I'm, I'm a dad now. Um, Congrats. and you, you, thank you. Yeah. And, and, uh, so, he's um he's awesome i don't you know i don't play golf at the level i did you know i well i don't want to say that completely but it's it's a little more sporadic so i mean like most of us we you know we take on the real world um so i decided to get my amateur status back unfortunately i broke my arm two years ago um playing with my niece in the street i fell on her hoverboard i hate to tell this story but um so i i it was like a freak accident i broke it really bad and i like chipped off a piece of the, the elbow joint and i had to have two surgeries and um so that's why i haven't been playing and kind of haven't been around and then um this year i've i don't know i, I kind of mentioned it in the, the article when i won the um the pub links i've been working with a buddy of mine uh the teaching professional up in knickerbocker aaron sadio and um great guy great teacher and you know kind of joking around this winter with him that hey man if you got enough time he's 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 an i should that's an understatement he's an awesome teacher he's got a ton of great players he teaches i'm just some guy that's now a dad to a two-year-old right and i'm like hey man um you know if you got any time in there i'm curious i'd love to see what you think of my swing i you know i used to be a great ball striker i don't i want to do that again so we sat on a mission um you know to kind of get back to where i was and that's that's really what my success has come from this year and, and i'm i'm excited about it because i've really been playing injured all year i mean i've been playing through it it's not first time i've ever had to really do this and it, it sucks trust me because it's not fun i mean I've, i don't hit it nearly as far as i did and as i get older every day i'm probably gonna hit it shorter so um it's kind of like a fastball pitcher that used to throw 98 and now now i gotta work some junk in there so it's um <laughs> But it's it's been cool because we've we've made some crazy progress that I didn't see coming. Um, so I'm I'm hoping to build on that at some point somehow this winter, and you know maybe 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 do better next year. So it's funny you bring up Aaron because I I've like you I have two little girls I got a ten year old and a seven year old and and I've just now gotten to the point where I have more free time to play, and the, the competitive scene has always been something that you know I've enjoyed to do and. I was fortunate to qualify for the state open this year and I played with Aaron. Nice. Awesome fucking dude. Okay. Yeah. Great awesome guy. Dude. And, and not only, I always thought, you know, some of the guys that are pros, you know, they're hard to talk to. They're not, you know, willing to help out and engage, but I can't lie playing with him for two rounds, dude. And even after that, like talking to him through Instagram and, and different outlets, like he's been so open and just willing to like spitball things to me and, and different things. I, I can just back you up and saying that I, and I just knew him t for two rounds of golf, like quality, quality guy. hundred percent, hundred percent, man. I, I mean, I, if you're looking for somebody to take, to take a lesson from and, you know, at least pick a brain. Um, he's, he's, he, you know, you could probably talk to him all day. I mean, he's, I mean, he's not incredibly knowledgeable. Um, he actually keyed on something with me that really nobody's ever keyed on. And I've taken a lot of lessons. I wouldn't say I've taken a ton of lessons from a bunch of different teachers, but 
you know, I've worked hard on my golf swing. I've, I've, I've kind of never tried to really sway from or vary too far away from, you know, what, what I'm good at. Um, and that, that's like one of the things that I, I appreciated the most about our conversations was he wasn't trying to take that away from me. You know, he's like, look, man, this is your strength. This is what you do. So let's try to clean it up, you know, and um, that, that's what I'm getting out of him. Besides, I mean, we've been friends for a long time, um, so it's, it's kind of easy. But, you know, at the same time, you know, there's a couple occasions where I was a little bit too questioning and, and, and kind of like, hey, what you know, what do you mean by that? He's like, look, dude just shut up and listen to what I'm telling you. Just swing the golf club, do what the fuck I'm saying, and you're going to be fine. And next thing you know, it's like, boom, 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 boom. As much as I don't like it, I'm just, I start striping it. And then I look back and I'm like, hey, how was that? And he's like, are you really asking me that? You know, and I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, I guess I'm, it's been a while, you know, like I haven't seen it fly like that in a while. So, but it's been fun, man. And, and Aaron's a great dude. And, and I can't say enough good things about all the help he's given me and, and beyond appreciative. So I, I've tried to share the glory with him. I know it's it's probably tough being a, a, a good teacher and a good player and trying to like balance the, the two, but um, yeah, he's he's always definitely pumped for you for sure. That's great, uh, Corey. You had mentioned something kind of like like being a good ball striker as you were little. What what's your um, your youth golf like? Were you a were you a country club kid or were you jumping around at at different public courses? Like what's your um, well, like, did you yeah, grow so, up at, you know, dad taking you to the club or, or anything like that? Not that that's ever like a bad thing, but like, what's the, no, what's well, the I'm, I'm probably like one of the luckiest guys in the world, um, in a sense, because my dad was a golf professional. So, um, I was fortunate enough to spend my entire childhood at Rumson country club. Um, and they were kind enough to let me abuse the place till my hands would bleed. So, um, yeah, they're probably a few people here and there that didn't like the amount of divots I took out of the range, but, um, it, it didn't stop me. Um, and then I was never, we were never, you know, I'm not a member there. I wasn't a member there. My, my father wasn't a member there, he, but he was the golf professional there for 22 years. I mean, they treated us like family and if, okay. I mean, I got great friends from there. Um, but I was, I've never actually been a physical member at a club. Gotcha. So I, I, I would say in a sense, that's been like a good experience and also a bad experience. Um, in, in, a, in a way, like, I got the ability to, you know, do what most um, kids that have trouble making it do is, is having access to a facility. I mean, it's, it's probably the hardest thing that a guy or girl or whatever inspiring athlete wants to do is, is getting, you know, enough training. I mean, you know, you might be a good basketball player and go down the, to the park and shoot hoops all day. But, you know, I mean, are you, what are you getting out of that at the end of the day besides repetition? So, um you know, I grew up playing a lot of public golf courses along with, um, you know, playing at Rumson. But I, I also was fortunate in the sense that I played a ton of uh, tournament golf in the Met area. Well, I say the Met area, but Jersey, you know, I mean, Connecticut, Long Island. I mean, it's, it's just endless. So, um, you know, that that was kind of the, the upbringing I had. It was, it, it, it was definitely, I would say, fortunate. Um, but, you know, you're a product of your environment. I didn't, you know, when my dad married my mom and he became a golf pro and all that stuff, I don't think I was in the picture. But <laughs> and, and, but I think that that's that also speaks to when you have the resources that you're willing to tap into them, you know, yeah, because sure. sometimes we all take for granted. And I, and I think without being in a sense like uh, belonging to a club, I, I always like to say, like, you know, guys that are members at certain spots are always or typically very good at those courses. But the minute they step off those courses, the game doesn't travel. So one of the things I always – and when Ryan and I played, I said, like, the one thing that I value the most about my golf game is that wherever I play, it comes with me. I'm not just going to go play X course and shoot 72 and because I just know where I can miss it. Like, when I travel, the game comes with me. And I think that that's kind of a good thing in terms of, like, someone like you that's able to play in all these different tournaments because not only are you going, but the game's come with you. Oh, I mean, that's everything, man. I mean, you're, you know, if your game can travel, then, then you are, you are an accomplished golfer. I mean, forget about, I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head there. I mean, I know plenty of guys that can play at their home track and then you bring them somewhere else and, and they can't, they can't get out of their own way. You know, um, it's, I mean, golf's a crazy game, man. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's a mind fuck to be honest. I mean, you know, you get, you get one day here and one day there and, um, you feel like the same person, but they're a total different outcome. So 
I mean, that's what it always was for me. When, you know, you asked earlier what the, what the biggest challenge from one level to the next was. I mean, my, tra- my golf game traveling from high school to college was the hardest thing I ever did. At least as, you know, my however long my golf career has been, that's been the toughest. And it, it wasn't because I couldn't play, you know, Cottonwood, which was our home golf course at Baylor. Um, it, it, and it wasn't because I, I wasn't, I didn't hit as good as Jimmy Walker. It was because I had never been exposed to so many good players in that were like A on my team and B that I, I played with every day. Mm-hmm. So learning how to like go wake up every morning and, and beat those guys was not easy. Uh, and, and, and it made me better for it. I will tell you when I got home after my freshman year of college, I sucked. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't really beat anybody. It was the worst summer I had. And it was, it was really because I, my game was traveling. I was learning how to make it travel and I was learning how to go from, you know, this crazy thick Bermuda golf course over here to this bent grass over here. And, you know, I got top 10 kids over here and then, you know, you're, you're playing in one that's, you know, no one's in the top 10 and, and you're like, okay, well, I should beat these guys, but you know, you don't. So, I mean, it, I mean, I, I think that if you ask any guy that's really played a top level golf, I mean, they, they a hundred percent take pride in the fact that their game can travel. I mean, you'll, you'll hear people talk about it all the time. If, if your game can travel, you're, you're deadly. Mm-hmm. And, and I think does that when when you think back to the to the public links this year, and, and you're talking about like being golf being so hard, you know, like obviously, you know, I, I, I'm I'm like I said, listen, I'm always checking scores, seeing how guys are doing, and if I have any sort of contact, I'm always texting them saying, hey, good round, whatever. But I think when you look at your pub links, I would obviously think that your familiarity with hominy's got to be very high. So you know. Or, or somewhat that you played it growing up. Sure. But talk about like how you go from 75 in the opening round to then completely flipping a switch and then firing 66 because that, that that's crazy. Well, yeah, so yeah, I, it looks crazy. It looks crazier than it was. Like so, the 75 really wasn't a 75, and I just kind of kept trying to tell myself that. I mean, I, I, I. I First of all, I striped it off the tee. I hit a way better tee shot than I was expecting. I had a lot closer into the green than I was expecting. Um, and I tried, you know, I was kind of between clubs and the air was heavy and it just nothing felt right. And I hit a bad shot and I made a bogey. And then I watched this young kid next to me I was playing with and he's just pure, pure. And like, I don't know, I think he might have birdied one. I can't really remember, but he made it look really easy. And I was like, oh, damn. Um, so, I got off to kind of this sluggish start where, you know, I'm like thinking to myself, like, is this the kid that's going to win? Like, I got to, I got to get my shit together here. Cause he's got me by like five shots through like four holes. So, um, you know, I, I just kind of say to myself the same thing I always do. Like, you know, just stay the course, be patient, stick to your game plan, which has always been the same thing. I mean, I got one remedy to good, to good golf or, or one recipe. And, and, if, and if you stick to it, you're, you're always going to play well. So, um, I, I actually started to kind of get into a groove and I had just got a new putter. Um, I haven't switched putters in like a really long time and I've been kind of searching for the last couple of years, but I always played the same head shape, same style putter. Um, and nothing was working. And then my buddy who works at Odyssey or Callaway sent me this Odyssey putter and I'm like, man, this thing's unbelievable. And I kept lipping out, lipping out, lipping out. And I must have lipped out seven or eight times for birdie in the last 14 holes. Like, not even kidding. And the kid I'm playing with, he's he's looking at me. He's like, damn, man. He's like, I'm starting to feel for you, right? So some of them are gnarly. Some of them are over the edge, you know, whatever. And I said, screw it, man. I'm, I'm just going to go out there and just, I'm going to make these this round. I'm not going to, I'm not going to miss them. I'm going to make them. And sure enough, I birdied three i think of the first four or five holes or something like that and um they started going in and and that was really the difference it wasn't any more than that so but that's always the difference you know like yeah it looks like a lot i mean if i really broke the round down to you it probably you know should have been 62 (laughs) but that's like (laughs) but that's just like (laughs) that's just me that's just like me just nitpicking stuff that i shouldn't be nitpicking i mean i played a phenomenal round of golf i made a couple bogeys that were totally avoidable um you know, I just got overly aggressive, um, but but I but I just kept sticking to my game plan, and and you know, every time I go play golf, I, I you know I do the same thing. I just try to hit the fairway, I try to hit on the green, and that's it. And not try to hit it over a bunker, or not try to you know be 320 yards down this way. I just I just try to hit in the fairway, and then I try to hit on the green. And if and if that all goes to plan, it then just becomes a matter of making putts. So 
you know, I had a teacher for a long time and he used to tell me, Corey, it's only, this game's only hard as you make it. So you better figure out a way to make it easy. And that was really the only way I could make it easy was hitting the fairway hit on the green. See what happens. That's, that's some sound really like sage level advice. there. (laughs) It's uh, it's hall of fame type, uh, type material. That's one of the things like I I do uh, like, Mike's very good. I'm, I'm decent at best. You know, I'm a 12 handicap and, and I, I see so many people that want to like, try to like draw it around things or, or kind of fade it around. And I'm like, you got wide open. Like there's nothing in your way. It's different. If there's something in your way, like just, just hit it straight, get it in the fairway and then get it on the green. And that seems like such a simple, simple thing. But so many times I think the, 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 average amateur is trying to overcomplicate things and, and as you said it's it's a simple game when you just try to hit the fairway try to hit the green yeah i mean if i if if, if it was a question of advice for an amateur i mean that's that's literally all it is i, I will say I, I was fortunate to have some incredible information bestowed upon me when i was playing by you know a my father he was actually he played on the pj tour in 1978 and his best friend who played on the PJ tour for eight years was the only really the only two guys I took lessons from. And, um, you know, his best friend was this, I mean, whenever he would say something to you related to golf, you would look at your, you'd actually stand there and go, man, it, am I dumb or something? Like, what, like, how do I not know that? You know, like, how do I not realize that? And, and, and look, these are all the things that he would tell me, you know, he's, and he said, look, you have a five pound bag of bricks sitting on your shoulders at the beginning of the round. The idea is, can you make this bag lighter or are you going to make it heavier? And nobody wants to make it heavier. But when you start trying to carry a tree line or you start trying to challenge a bunker or you start trying to, you know, flag a shot that you have no business trying to flag or, or you know, knock the pin down, you're that's when trouble sneaks in. And um, I mean, I'm not I'm not immune to it. I'm as guilty as the next guy. I just like to think that I'm telling myself the right things and telling yourself what you should do versus your body actually performing that is two different things. But I mean, if, if, if you're right, if a golfer would just look at the situation, you know, they were big Ben Hogan guys and Ben Hogan used to walk the golf course backwards before he played every tournament. And he would start on the 18th green and he'd walk down the fairway and he, and he would, he would stand there on the 18th green and say, where do I want to come in from in the, on this hole? And he would, he would then walk to that spot and then he would walk to the tee box and he would figure out what he needed to hit to get it to that spot. So he played the entire golf course backwards. But when he really broke it down, all he was doing was trying to hit in the fairway and then trying to hit it on the green. And then I, you might not be a great putter. You might be a phenomenal putter. But what's the worst you're really going to do? You're going to miss by two or three feet at most. So and, that, and that's on a bad putt. At the end of the day, if you hit in the fairway and hit on the green, I mean, how bad are you really going to play? Right. You can make accidental birdies by doing that. Well, it happens all the time, man. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so obviously, I don't want to hold you here all night because listen, no, we're, two, we're two guys that could sit here and talk forever. Um, Probably, we really are. I mean, literally, we recorded episode two last night, and it was like we're we're sniffing two and a half hours just just talking New Jersey golf. So it's kind of crazy. So I don't want to hold you too long, but I guess there's two questions that you know sure. we kind of like want to look at here and see you know, where you're at, you know, like if I asked you first, uh, thinking about the state of New Jersey and thinking about basically public courses and semi-private courses that the average guy can get on, give us maybe a track that you've played that may be a little bit unknown or outside the box that you would recommend. Okay. Um, all right. So one that I, I don't know why I'm, I mean, yes, it's close to me, but, um, I call it the Fort Sun Eagles. Um, it's a it's a public golf course, um, but it's an old tilling house. And I don't know how many people in New Jersey are familiar with it. I'm pretty sure most people in Monmouth County are familiar with it. Um, it's a hundred percent one of my you know one of my favorite courses to play. And the reason is is because um, a there's so many classic tilling house um, characteristics to it, but b you hit every golf club in your bag. And I know it's not. You know, for me, that that's I have a lot of fun when I do that. I, you know, I'm, you know, I, pl- I played a few tournaments out at Bethpage Black, and yeah, it's a great golf course, but it's literally driver, five iron, every hole, pretty much. 
you know, and, and that kind of gets boring. I mean, I played at Shinnecock. Yes, I like Shinnecock, but I mean, again, it's driver, five iron, you're pounding the ball. So, I mean, I, 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 I don't know, maybe it's because I grew up at Rumson. It wasn't the longest course. So I kind of gravitate towards those. I mean, I mean, Hominy, obviously it's got so much history there. It's pretty cool. I mean, I, I do believe I'm, I'm biased in, in our shore area. We have, in my opinion, the best public golf courses. I mean, you can go out to Charleston Springs, um, which isn't far from here. That's a pretty sweet spot. I will tell you one that I am looking forward to playing is uh, up at Tamarack. They just redid the, uh, um, I can't remember, I think it's the West course. I don't want to misquote this here, but there's like an East and a West or something. And, and they, I, I believe they just had Reese Jones come in and, and redo it. Yeah. Um, that's where we played the public links qualifier. And then a few holes you looked over. I mean, that place looked unbelievable. Um, I mean, this isn't a secret, but you can go up to, um, you know, the crystal Springs area up there and there's, there's a handful of good ones up there that you can play. So, I mean, is there really any secrets out there? I don't know if there's any secrets anymore. Um, I think the game's become really popular the last few years, which is cool to see. I think a lot of people have been playing the game that would have never played it. Now, these are the people that we would want to say, hey, man, if, if you're not a member anywhere, dude, go play Sun Eagles. Have a good time. You know, go go play Hominy Hill. Check that out. Um, go up to Crystal Springs in, in the fall and, and play in the trees. And, and it's, it's you know, got a whole new peaceful atmosphere about it that you're not going to get down here. Um I, I don't I think it was bought, but there used to be a pretty cool spot down in um, near Atlantic City. I, I think the, the uh, I'm pretty sure the Union League of Philadelphia purchased it, though. Um, am I mistaken there? No, you're right. The old yeah. Sand Barons. Yeah, the Sand Barons. That used to be a cool little spot to go to. So you could kind of like travel the whole state of Jersey and you could find a golf course that was accessible to you that had all these different conditions to it that you know, you're probably not going to get in many other states, right? I mean, go up to New York, and New York's not, there's no ocean, you know, ocean view golf in New, in New York. There's no, you know, link style. Uh, um, and there might be, but it, it'd be a little generic. But um, it's, 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 a, I think we got a great statement. We have so much, so many hidden gems out there that you can. It was, it was the cool. East Course at Tamarack that they just redid. East Course. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, it, it looks awesome, man. It looks really good. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting out there and seeing what they've done. I mean, I know they spent millions on it. Uh, yeah, big time. I, I would tell everybody that is looking for a decent spot when that opens up to, you know, spend your money there. Um, you'll have a good time. So that's actually the first time I broke 80 was at the East course there. So this is going back 10 years ago. So it's well before I love right. that you said sun Eagles. Cause I've been saying there and old orchard, the bones to those courses are as good as they get. And, and old orchard is, you know, it, it's struggling. Um, I, I wish it someone is. would come in there and take care of it. But honestly, I think that just needs some TLC and, it and does. Um, as far as just the course goes, uh, it doesn't, the bones there are great and sun Eagles is fantastic as well. So I, I wish it would stay public. Um, I, I think they're going eventually to be a private, uh, place but man I, I i hear you on that one because i i love that one just as as much as as any place i mean it's 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 kind of sad in a sense that like golf is some of these areas are closing down i mean I, i've seen first of all i mean screw you amazon right like i mean we don't have a driving range near us anymore because amazon came in and and, and you know <laughs> bought twin brooks right yeah. so i mean that was our closest spot to go to and it seems like so much of that's happening that like good public golf is, is slowly but surely being bought out for homes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I, I hope that maybe some of your message you guys send it out there will, will ring a chord with somebody too. And like might make them, I don't know who, maybe there's somebody really rich listening that wants to buy old orchard because you're spot on. I, I tell you, I mean, it's, it's got sick bones. It really does. And like, uh, I've been inside that clubhouse. The 1927 Yankees had their end of season party there. So like sure. in that little veranda over there's like that par that par four over the water there, like yeah, the island green right. there. There's yep. a picture of Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig from the tea yep. box there that they're just smoking cigar, like stuff like that. I just I nerd over history stuff, so that's really cool. Oh man, I'm I'm with you. I I, I hope that never goes away. Um, it it's it's sad to think that it might one day. I don't know. Um, it's been cool to watch golf grow, but at the same time, you kind of ask yourself, like, 
golf's growing, but the courses aren't. Mm-hmm. You know, like we're not have, we don't new public courses popping up everywhere. And if Sun Eagles goes private, man, that that sucks for everybody around here. No um, you know, and and it's it's as much as you understand the business side of it, it's at the same time it's like if you love the game and and you love you know watching people enjoy the game, you don't want to see that happen. You know, like you want everybody to have access to a good time. Um, I think that's what kind of you know makes our game unique is that me you and, and mike and, and we can all play together and we can all come from a different place and a different background and have different abilities but we can all still have a good time out there and i think that's like the number one thing about public golf it's just a testament to the game and, and public access and everything that goes along with it uh it's it's pretty cool stuff so so just i obviously you know again doing some some research um I preserve. Yeah. Well, so I got, I was fortunate enough to play it. Uh, okay. here's what, so my mom and dad lived out in Jupiter. So sure. obviously all the tracks that are down there are endless and, yeah. and working over it. I've been a caddy since I'm 13, I'm 38 now. So at Manasquan river, you obviously make connections with different guys over there. Sure. My family was a member over there. So like, that's where I kind of grew up playing and, and I've been fortunate enough to play over there. So when I saw that on, on something, of yours i'm not sure how uh the die preserve came up but um it did uh and i got a job i just applied for got a job um i caddied there a little bit and i also worked on the in you know on the outside um outside ops a little bit so i you know i would valet cars um when i wasn't caddying uh and you would valet for the members and you know, a couple of them were cool. You, you know, you just get, get to know them and you're, you know, you're parking their really sick car and, you know, they're like, yeah, don't, don't wreck that thing. And you're, you're like, don't worry, man, I'll do my best to park it 10 feet from here. But uh, so you would build these relationships and, um, you know, then you would get to caddy for them on the golf course and you get to know them, they get to know you a little bit. And I, I guess that's how it all kind of came about. And then, you know, from there, I had gone to Sabonic actually. And Sabonic's how I made my way to Seminole. So, um, I, I, when I was at Sabon, when I was at the Die Preserve, this new golf course, Sabonic was coming about. Um, this was, I guess back in what, like 08 or something, 07. And all everybody knew was that it was a million dollars to join. And, um, and then they bought the land right next to national. Well, um, I, I, some of the guys are, Hey, they're looking for caddies, man. You want to go out there? And I was like, yeah, you know, I'll give it a shot. The Hamptons. Why not? You know, like, I mean, I was playing some golf, but I wasn't playing a huge tournament schedule. Um, I was doing about five or six events in the summer. Uh, money was tight. And, um, I went there and I just befriended the right member. Um, and he, uh, he, he said, well, what, are you, what are you doing this winter? And I was like, man, I don't, I don't have any plans, but you know what I'd really love to do? And he's like, what's that? And I said, I would, I would love to go work at Seminole. So it turned out that, um, you know, he was best friends with Bob Ford. Um, and the irony of it all is Bob Ford and my dad played their first professional round of golf. I think so. Either my dad's first professional round of golf or both their first professional rounds of golf together. I'm not sure what it was, but he knew who I was and he was like, Oh, Corey, we'd love to have you down here. So, uh, without hesitation, I was like, I'm, I'm when you want me, you know, like, and, uh, that, that was probably to date the greatest job I've ever had in my life. Yeah, there's so many times like that, that caddy and kind of jumps from one thing to the other. And, and it's just like who, who you meet, like that golf is such a great, uh, a great sport in that way. And, and if you're a young kid getting into caddy and that's, just like your journey like there's so many kids that have it same with with mike who's been doing it for so long he's got so many guys that he knows that just it's just uh it breeds on itself it's really it's really great in that way listen it's a great networking thing Mm -hmm. and and i and i as a you know ryan and i are both teachers and me being a gym teacher it's kind of like i always tell the kids because you see every kid in gym class I, i constantly say like if you're looking for a summer job and you're willing to put the work in and you're willing to put some hours in, because in the beginning it can be difficult. I said, I tell you what, like 25 years later, me being 38, it is the best, not only best summer job in terms of what you can make and the hours that you want to create, but the people that you meet 
it's endless. It's endless. It, it, it's, it's opened up so many doors for someone like me who has been fortunate to have family at different spots and play different places, but the doors have opened up even more to an extent where I never thought that was possible, but just by being a good person, caddying, being social and the game of golf, you know, it's, a, it's, I mean, it's, it's golf's the ultimate equalizer between the rich and the poor. Um, and, you know, I started caddying when I was 12 years old. Um, and, and, you know, whenever I wanted anything, my dad would say, well, get your ass out there and go carry some bags. That was what he, that's his reply to me. So I did. Um, yes, I got some good loops at a young age. So I, I, I definitely <laughs> lucked out there, but it, it was like a skill that like got me, if it wasn't for catting, like, I don't know if the rest of it ever would have happened. Um, and, you know, I gotta, I, I have to give homage to, to catting more, more, probably more so than, and, almost anything else. It's, it's kind of where I fell in love with the game. It's kind of where I learned to understand the game. It's kind of where I learned to work hard. Like Mike's saying, I mean, dude, you can make so much money. I mean, my buddies in high school were buying cars with the money they were making. They were, you know, spinning 36 a day on the weekend. Their parents were letting them out for, uh, out of school for um, outings and stuff. And, you know, it's, it's, it's the only place where uh, you're going to get a guy that had $4,000 in his bank account walking down the ferry with the guy who was worth about three or four billion, you know, which is really the guy I befriended, you know, and, and here I am a lonely mini tour player with really no money in the bank and just trying to scrape by enough money to get another entry fee and to hopefully I play well and, you know, score a big check and take some of the pressure off of it. And here's this multi-billionaire guy who's um, just, just your, just your average Joe out there on the grass. I mean, he's, I'm more talented than he is. And I, to be honest with you, he probably would have paid all of his billions to be as good at golf as I was. So, I mean, it's like you say, Mike, I mean, so, so many crazy things can come from it. Um, and it's, it's, you know, you learn about life, you learn, you learn about how to be a man, you learn about, you know, what it's like to be a father just by listening to these guys, the, the struggles that they go through in work and business. And, um, you know, they'll vent about that on the golf course because their wives don't want to hear it. You know what I mean? So it's, 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 it was like, it was like a real giant dose of life given like thrown in my face at a young age. And I kind of embraced it and, you know, I ran with it, but, uh, you know, fortunately I love the game of golf. So it made it a little easier. Um, but it, it really is a, if, if you're, if you got a, a kid out there and you want to get him into the game and, and this is a phenomenal way to do it is send him down the caddy yard and, Make them sit there for six weeks. Trust me, you don't do anything for six weeks, and then you get you finally make you finally get a loop, and you got some money in your hand after four and a half hours. It's a big life lesson. So it's so, I mean, it's so funny you say that because growing up like you, I, I was fortunate to get some good loops early. But even you know the kids don't always see it. like I was there on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday when we were in college, just sitting there for like three, four hours. You know, so like. Pre they don't phone. see that. What? Pre yeah, cell phone. Pre-cell phone. That's, that's right, man. Away pre-cell phone. Yeah. So I think, that I, but I think just like anything, dude, just, it's like life. You, If you put the work in and you work hard, you may not see the results instantly. And I know that's kind of the world we live in, but you'll reap the benef benefits down the road. And, and that's kind of what I've tried to tell kids nowadays. Like, hey, listen, you're not going to make what I make per bag right now, but I'm also 25 years in. I'm 38. I was right. making I was making 20 dollars a bag. You're not when when you get one bag. Yeah, yeah, I know. When you, <laughs> yeah. If you got 20, you know, if you got 25, it's like lunch is on me. Yeah. Lunch is on me. And also telling you how long you've been doing it, man, because it's <laughs> wow. Right. Yeah, now they pay a lot of money now. Yeah, so now it's a different story. And and I say to them all the time, like you, even if you get one bag, you're making way way more than I was. And and bet and I'm and I'm glad that you are. But let's not lose sight of like you still got to put the time and effort into doing it. Just like the game of golf, like you put the time and effort in, you know, you may not see the results right away, but you will. Right, it comes back tenfold as you you know you put the time tenfold. In. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it really is. I mean, it's it's easy to give back when it says, you know, you enter the tournament and it says, hey, you know, donate for the uh, the caddy scholarship. You know, it's it's not hard to you know twenty five, fifty bucks, whatever. I mean, no doubt. You know, you you play in ten tournaments, it's two, three hundred. So, <laughs> you know I mean? but it's it's always there. Um, and every time I look at it, you know, I, I when I see those entry fees, I'm like, you know, hey man, that's you know, that's that's how 
it's it's going to change somebody's life you know it's and and it definitely changed mine and and some of my friends and um you know like i said if you can expose your children to it um i i would highly recommend it yeah uh core you you mentioned um like being a struggling you know young uh professional golfer having to bounce around like caddying at, at those couple places uh, we don't need to get into like the political uh, landscape of golf with like PGA and live, but how from someone who's been in that, how are some of those new changes the PGA is putting in truly how great are they to do? You know, they, they put in like the minimum that, you know, each, each kid's going to get, you know, five grand, a, a tournament entry and all that kind of stuff. Like ha- give an insight on how exactly how helpful that's going to be. You, you, you raise a good question. I mean, it's really difficult for a guy coming out there to be successful, not because he's not good enough. And it's not because he's never traveled before. It's because the immense amount of pressure for them to perform, not only physically, but financially. I mean, you're talking about these tournaments that are being played and I mean, not being played at a, at a sea level golf course in, in a small low-level market city it's it's you know it's high-end stuff where they're around high-end people and, and there's money being thrown around all over the place and if you're feeling like you're not making any man it's 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 a stress that is i mean it's a performance-based job so you know i, I think it's about time they've done this um i will say that you know if you really deep dive into the whole thing this is all all, all that's happening is what norman tried to do 30 years ago and i, I remember when this was going on because um, i had some discussions with my dad about it he you know he did play on the pga tour and his career earnings were about five seven grand or something like that so you know out of 19 golf tournaments imagine that you know and, and <laughs> you're just like you know he actually quit because he had kids and he's like you know i can't do both so and, and that, but life was again so different back then, and I just think I just think the sport has evolved to the place now where, you know, these guys are bringing in money, um, you know, whoever they are, and the, the PGA Tour and the Live Tour and the DP Tour and the Canadian Tour and all this, all these tours, they don't they don't happen without the players. You know, you can say, oh yeah, I'm having this tour, but you know, if if, if the guys aren't showing up because they can't afford to show up and they're the ones with the talent, then they're not, they're, they're definitely being slighted and shortchanged. So I'm, I'm all for the changes that PJ tour is making. I, I think they should do more. Um, I, I don't, I mean, if it's really a nonprofit then you know, why is he making so much money, but that's a whole different story for another day. <laughs> why does but it seem like that? All nonprofits, it, the, the it CEO does. or the it president's does. 10 million. It does, man. And I'm look, I'm pulling hard for this, you know, for, for Christopher, um, got her up and, 100%. you know, I, I, it'd be really cool to see him, a guy from our area, just be really super successful. He has all the tools, but I also know at the same time, like, you know, it's not easy when I'm traveling and, you, you know, having the, having a little breathing room of not having to worry about, you know, Hey, if I missed the cut this week, I don't make any money. Um, you know, that's, that, that, that takes a huge pressure off you. Um, you know, at, at my level, I was playing, they were never giving up $5,000 checks, but, um, you know, you would, if you played well, but, you know, at the back end of that, I mean, you're slamming your trunk after two rounds and you're driving up the road eight hours and you're just doing nothing but sitting there thinking about how you just wasted 2,500 bucks on the week, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. and it's like really hard to get yourself mentally prepared for the next week. And, um, you know, being like, Hey, put that behind you. You know, you're good. You got it. And it's, it's, that's really the mental grind. Yeah. And, um, you know, it might be a little different out there because, you know, they got sponsorships and stuff now, but, um, no, you're, you're not, you're not wrong, man. It's, it's, a, it's a nice thing that they're doing. Um, I, I hope this evolves to even more for these guys. Like, yeah. um, and I just hope that as a result, more young kids see it and want to be good golfers. Cause now that there's two tours, we're going to need some good players to come up to make up for some of the other ones. Sure, so yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I remember hearing something, I mean, I can't like, there's gotta be hundreds, if not thousands of good golfers who have been in, in your shoes or, or other shoes. I know Max Homa is another one. I listened to an interview with him recently where he's like, I just, I wasn't making cuts, so I wasn't making money, but I still had to pay for my hotel, my flight, yeah. my car, my gas, my my caddy my um uh, like my my uh swing coach like all these things and it's just 
um, yeah, I, I think it's about time that they did it. So it, interesting well, I, insight from someone who's been through it. And like, yeah, I mean, you, I can give you a good example of, of the difference of how easy it would be to put, perform. Um, so one summer I was playing in the New England tour and this is not a knock on the guy whatsoever. Cause I, I love him. He's a great guy. I'm Sean. I was playing with Sean O'Hare and he, he, he was on our tour that this was right before. So we had gone to Q school one year. Um, I can't remember what year it was. And I, we were in second stage and myself, I was inside the number one round to go. DJ Trahan, who's a tour winner was inside the number. We had played golf against each other in college, ACC, um, and then Sean O'Hare never turned pro or never went to college. He turned pro at 18. I don't know if you're familiar with the story, but, um, he, uh, instead of going to college, he, he, you know, thing with his dad, whatever, um, again, the whole, whole long drawn out thing. But so we ended up all missing qualifying school, the third stage back then. Um, I missed by a shot, DJ missed by a shot and Sean O'Hare missed by two shots. And, uh, we had, Sean ended up playing the tour that I decided to go and play New England on that summer. And um, he fortunately had uh, a lot of backing and he drove around in a brand new 30 foot motorhome all throughout New England um, and really had no care in the world um, except filling up the thing with gas, you know? (laughs) So he, he really went out there every week knowing Hey, this is just a matter of time for me. I got all this in the world, and I—you would watch guys that were definitely more talented um, and better players at the time. He was young; this was like nineteen or twenty years old, and um, they just couldn't get over the hurdle of, "Hey, man, I got to make a check this week." You know, like I got—I got to make ten grand because I'm five grand back on my credit card payment. You know, like I'm maxing out this one, and I mean, I had friends that did it. You know, they would max out credit cards and playing golf tournaments, and you're just like, "Damn, that's that's a huge risk." and you're over here watching a guy in his motorhome with the, the little, you know, the shade thing down after yeah. the round and his girlfriend or his wife and you know, sitting there making dinner. And you're like, shit, man, I got to go hit some putts because I had too many three putts today, yeah. you know, like <laughs> just a different world. Um, and, and that's when I was kind of like, man, it, it really was a wide awake opening where like, you know, you don't have it. It's really tough to make it. So. It's nice to see, and you know, hopefully, continues for yeah. these guys. And at nineteen twenty, he doesn't have any real cares in the world anyway. No, so you know. no, no, fairways <laughs> and greens, man. That's it. Fairways yeah. and greens. <laughs> um, Corey, this has been this has been awesome. I don't want to take up uh, you know all of your night. Um, I'm sure your two year old's in bed, but you know, I don't know if he sleeps through the night for you yet. But uh, no, he's he's, do, he's doing well, man. I, 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 that's the don't other thing, it. dude. I I don't don't I, I, I love yeah. that. <laughs> Don't jinx it. Don't jinx it. No, no, I lucked it. out, man. I, I know that. I know the the night struggles are like though. Yeah, no, he's he was he, he went through waves. I mean, parenthood's definitely everything cool that people said it would be, um, and it's it's a lot of fun. But right now, we're we're in a good stage. He's he's a good kid, so he, he's not in the golf yet a little bit, but you know he knows I like it. But we're 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 hopefully get there. But if not, then hey, man. It, it, it's been a long, hard road. So if you didn't have to go through it, I would be okay with that too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but as we're as we're wrapping here, like, what is um, is there something that you're superstitious about on the golf course that you're less superstitious enough to tell us? <laughs> you know, like yeah, so you have a certain I, amount yeah. of tees in your pocket or anything like that. No, like, what's can... something like quirky that you're like, this is probably weird, but I'm going to do it anyway. So. Um... I got a thing with coins. Um, uh, I have to have a certain coin. Um, you know, I, I won't play with a coin higher than a year 67, a quarter, higher than year 67. But my best friend lives in Costa Rica. Um, they use colones down there, and they have more coins than we do. There happens to be like a 20, 20 colones, which is like, it's like a big, like silver coin, but it's worth like five cents. But it has my, it was like one of the first coins I ever had. Um, and it has my birth, my birth year on it is like 1980. So, um, I've, I play with that coin a lot. I kind of, uh, I don't, I don't know. I guess you could say that over the years I've, I've, I've tried to keep the same coin playing as much as possible. I used to do the same with my divot tools, um, you know, to replace the pitch marks in the green. Mm-hmm. I had to stop doing that though because they'd get so sharp. You they poke you in the pocket after like, you know, hundreds of rounds of use. They would they'd be like knives. Yeah. So, um, and then I, I probably my last one is 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 a towel. Like I, I'll use a towel and um, in 
until I feel like it's out of good shots. Like, you know, like you wipe off all the good shots out of your clubs and then I'll, I'll get rid of it. But there's never usually a time limit on that because when I was a kid, I had one for so long that I, I got a staph infection from it. So um, <laughs> that that was that was pretty wild. Um, I was like blowing my nose with it. And, you know, I probably hadn't cleaned it in like three years. And um, I wash it now, but uh, <laughs> ever since then I wash it, but... Um, I, I will keep the same towel around for a long time. I, I'd probably say those are, I would think those are my biggest superstitions. Okay. Well, listen, I, I just to kind of end this and wrap it up. Listen, I, I didn't, we had no idea how long this was go, would go. And when I tell and I DM people are trying to get them on and, and as guests, I'm like, listen, I just want to get like 20 or 30 minutes to talk shop. And, you know, we, you, you've been kind enough to give us over an hour. So I, I just want to thank you, especially if you're the first one to come on here. You know, Ryan, and I just kind of toss out some things and it's been a very easy and, and flowing conversation. So I, I appreciate you coming on here, being the first one, um, hopefully one of many in our eyes. Um, so I just want yeah, to thank you. Absolutely, man. I know it's been fun, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm like I said, man, I'm, I'm all about Jersey golf. So if uh, we didn't really deep dive into the private clubs, maybe one day we do that, too. And I'll give you a top five there I got, which is. You know, I mean, they're definitely fortunate for those. But uh, <laughs> give me your first, give me number one. Well, it's not number Pine Valley. One in we Jersey. Know that. Just give me number. Yeah, no, it's not Pine Valley. <laughs> no, not Pine Valley. Number one in Jersey. Yep, just strictly Jersey. Damn. Um, well, the redo, the redo at the lower, I'm pretty impressed with at Baltusrol. Okay. I, I will, I will tell you this though. Like, I was never a huge. Baltusrol guy, I was. I mean, it's a great facility. Don't get me wrong; it's a top-notch right. golf course, uh -huh. but it never stood out. The one that always stood out to me was Essex County Country Club. So, yeah, that's, that's I mean, no offense. We we probably could have a three-hour conversation about private courses. Oh, yeah. yeah, no, there. I mean, there's so many, so yeah, many. I mean, I'm a massive fan of Hollywood. I mean, that's where I won the state am, obviously. So I'm a little biased, but it's it's phenomenal. I mean, it's there's so many gems out there. It's just really is. Well, I'll tell no, you what, we're going to hold you to that. We're going to hold you to that. You're going to come well, back on. We'll talk, we'll talk private courses next time. Yeah, fun fact about Corey. He can talk a dog off a dump truck. So <laughs> if, you, if you need me, you got me. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, right. man, I appreciate everything. I really do. Absolutely. For sure. Thanks so much, Corey. All right, boys. Yeah, hey, we'll, we'll have to get out there one day too, man. Don't be afraid. We'll, we'll tee it up over Sun Eagles and, and have a good time. Oh, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> As long as we get a lot of shots, I'm all for that. Well, yeah, I mean, of course, of course. We'll do whatever. <laughs> Sounds good, pal. All right, boys. Thank all you, right, man. I'll see Appreciate you. it. Thanks, good night. All right. Yeah, see ya. This episode was brought to you by the Law Office of Mallon and Tranger, a law firm where results matter. Since 1985, the Law Office of Mallon and Tranger has been helping people throughout New Jersey find the right strategies to effectively address their legal problems. Not only are they good people, they're good golfers too.